Welcome to the Unmothered Podcast. Join me as we explore all the feelings and confusion surrounding the mother-daughter bond. Laugh with me, cry with me, and learn new ways to cope with what can be a very lonely existence without a mother to rely on. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, peeps. How are you guys doing? We are back with another hot topic, and this one I did see on an Instagram post again from one of the therapists that I follow, which is Sit With Sharon. So if you have a chance to follow that, they have some really good dysfunctional parenting kind of things that go on in there. And this one was such a good topic. I thought that we would dive in and talk about this one. So this is what to do when you grow up with emotionally immature parents. Um, Yeah, raising my hand to that one. You know, it's funny, I talk about my mom a lot, but when I think about it too, my dad was very emotionally immature. He just opted, my mom was a fight or flight kind of person and my dad was a numb out person. So I have a little bit of both in those. I would say typically I'm more like my dad and just kind of ignoring things for the longest time. (laughs) I'd be like, it's fine, it's fine, just ignore it. (laughs) Just pretend. It's like uh, the Wizard of Oz, right? Don't look behind the curtain. And so when I was looking at this topic, I was like, wow, I think, you know, this relates to both my parents as they were so emotionally immature that they literally just threw us kids into the fire and was just like, okay, figure it out. Like, we don't know what we're doing, so why should you? So one of the things I just want to talk about was like, do you feel like the parent in your childhood home? And why do you think that is? And we're going to explore what it means to grow up with a parent who is emotionally immature and cannot be the adult in the family relationship. So they're physically there but they're not mentally there. And some of the topics that we're going to cover is like, are you left confused by this? And and how were they as parents? Were they critical? Were they sarcastic? Were they raging? Maybe they were all three and more. Do they misunderstand every idea and conversation that you say? Yeah. And do these conversations leave you empty And do we have a right to end these games of sabotage? So let's dive into this. The first thing I want to say is like, we can cope with this even if they can't. So this isn't about trying to fix them or change their attitudes or try to make them grow up because they're already grown ups and so are we. But we can break off the parts of these things that don't serve us anymore And you absolutely have a choice to call them out. And then whatever happens from there happens. So I just have a question for you. I want you to think about this for a minute. What was it like growing up in your house? In my home, I felt like I was the parent dealing with a teenager or sometimes a child My mom's needs were paramount to mine. Everything was an emergency. Everything was about her. She actually never even asked what my feelings were. So it has taken me 65 years to find my feelings because I just powered through. It's what I was taught. There was just no room for me to feel something because she always had 
something going on that was just an emergency. I think it's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about finding my voice today is because the enemy tried to shut my mouth for so long and it was actually a gift. And I'm discovering that now and it's never too late. And so if that's a question in your mind, well, I'm 66, I'm 70 years old. Girl, I'm going to be 66 this year. I'm not going to shut my mouth till the day I die. Like this is the mouth God gave me. He's told me to speak out loudly when it when it's appropriate. Like I don't inappropriately speak out loudly. <laughs> I actually am a really good observer. I love to read a room. I'm just sit back and just, you know, what's going on here? Who's the safe people? Who's the ones I'm just doing all these mentally crazy things in my mind? But if there's a subject or something comes up where it's like everyone's, you can see people's faces where they're like, wait, should I say something? You best believe I'm going to speak up. I may not be the most popular person in the room, but I'm going to, I'm going to call out if there's some kind of injustice. Otherwise, if it's just kind of eh, gossipy or whatever, I'm probably just going to walk away from it. But I didn't know how to do that in my childhood home because there was no room for any kind of an opinion other than my mom or my dad's. And when I think about it, my dad was, my dad is, listen, I'm a daddy's girl, 100%. My dad is 97 years old. I think I've told you that before. He's an amazing man. But there, more and more when I look at things revolving around our relationship, he just checked out he became a child and was just like, well, I don't know, whatever, whatever you want to do. That's not, (laughs) that's not a mature attitude for someone who's supposed to be raising up an independent, strong, appropriate daughter. I did things in my teen years. He should have grounded me for life. I stayed out all night one night and he He actually had tears in his eyes because he was scared that something had happened to me. I was with my brother, but we were at somebody's house just partying away. And we didn't want to leave because it was fun. And we just kept doing more drugs and doing more drugs and doing more drugs. And it was like, oh my gosh, it's five in the morning. And I remember walking into the house and my dad should have been angry. And he was. But he was so afraid of his own anger. I think he was afraid he was going to hurt me, which he would never do. And so he started to cry. And he said, I know that you, I remember this conversation because I I was there for the summer because I was trying to get away from my crazy mother and all the responsibilities there. And he said, I know that you have a lot of responsibilities and a lot of things have fallen on you at your mom's. And if you want, you can come and move in with me, but you cannot do this kind of behavior. And then he grounded me for two weeks. (laughs) And I remember thinking like, that's it. Like I stayed out all night. Like that should have been a bigger conversation. And I think he did say too, like, I thought you were on the side of the road and I thought someone had raped you. That was one other thing he said. And, um, I remember him just being so scared, but like as a mature parent, like we had this conversation outside too, at somebody's house 
a little bit in the in the morning, and then we were supposed to go somewhere that day. And I remember he had this conversation. We were standing outside, and and I thought, you did this because you didn't want to really sit down and talk to me about it. So it was just this quick, like, okay, you can move in with me, like, but you're gonna have to follow some rules, and you're grounded for two weeks, kind of thing. And there was really no big conversation of like, what were you doing? And why do you feel like you have to do that? And, and also, I mean, not to give it an excuse, but it was the seventies and nobody really talked about feelings back then. But looking back, it's like, wow, my parents didn't really know how to parent because they hadn't raised, been raised on how to be a parent. Their parents were abusive. And so there was just like, so much angst, I will say, of just, gosh, what do you want me to do? Like, you're supposed to be the parent. Now, on the flip side of that, I have a mom who's depending on me to take care of her and telling me, like, this is my job. I remember my mom saying at one point, why do you think I had you guys? (laughs) You're supposed to help me. It was like, we came with a job. Listen, if you hear nothing else from this podcast, do not have babies that have a label put on them before they're even born. They are not there to save your marriage. They are not there to help you out around the house. They are not there to make up for the babies that you've lost. This is not their job. It's not our job to parent our parents. It just isn't. We shouldn't have a label put on us that the day we're born, it's like, this is how this kid is going to be. And this is how they're going to take care of me. And this is what emotionally immature parents do is they put these, they slap these labels on you. My mom had labels for all three of us kids. I was labeled the patient one, but let me tell you, I was not patient. I was brimming with rage that I stuffed on the inside and got very quiet and numb. Now I realize what that emotion was. At the time, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I'm patient. I'm really mad. I want to hit her. (laughs) I'm so mad. But I guess I'm patient because that's a label put on me. That shouldn't be. The anger and the self-esteem that will come up for you makes you feel invisible It's like you don't have confidence in anything because nobody has given you, as Dr. Phil would say, the attaboys. You're just existing to take care of them and feed into their neuroses and their problems and their issues and all their things. And so you grow up not wanting to engage with others while at the same time you spend so much of your wasted energy on finding ways for your mom to agree with you, to love you, to get her approval and her love. This was another thing that I got stuck in. My mom died and I was still like, are you proud of me? Am I doing okay? Look what I did. I got this other certificate. Look, I wrote a book. Like I would have these secret conversations with her, you know, prayers, conversations. My mom's gone and I'm like, I'm praying she's in heaven. I believe she was. We prayed over her body when she was in her last 24 hours and she let out a big sigh and then she had been shaking all day and then just let out this big breath of air as we prayed over her and then she was calm and I was like, I think 
she sees Jesus. Like I just, something happened in that room. I was with a a pastor and he could tell you the same thing. We were like, whoa, what was that? And it was crazy, but it's like, I was still seeking her approval even when she was passing, even when she had passed away. I was like, do you love me? Is this good enough? Am I good enough? What's going on? We form these attachments to these emotionally immature parents that are not healthy. And so I figured out like a lot of my recognition stemmed from that. And I had to learn to just be okay with being me. I don't need somebody else's outside recognition, but that's exactly what you crave when you don't have a parent that can really sit with you and and give you those kudos and actually ask you how you're doing. I'm sure a lot of you had the same experience as me. It's like my mom would call and it was like, help me, help me, help me. There was never a time with her saying like, what what's going on in your life, right? It was always your job is to take care of my needs. She wouldn't ask how my family was doing. She wouldn't ask how I was feeling. It was always about her needs ahead of mine. And when you have a parent that is like that, chances are that isn't going to change. So you have to recognize that your worth is not in your parents' approval or disapproval. It just isn't. You have to learn that you have to understand that they are emotionally immature and they may never change. Now, can they change? Absolutely, if they're willing to, but chances are they're not. And so if you wait around waiting for that magic bullet, well, maybe someday she'll get it. If I keep talking to her, maybe she'll get it. No, unless she gets help, real professional help, or him could be a dad, the, that's not, those behaviors won't change. They're, they are, they've settled into that role play and it's very hard for them to get out of it. So what you're going to have to do is find ways to come into your own of understanding your worth, of understanding your self-esteem, of knowing God has a purpose for you, that there is a, there is a plan for your life and you don't need to keep going back and asking them if you're doing okay. They're not going to give the things that you need to you. That's the bottom line. And it's okay. They did what they could do. And now you have to grow in other areas. And you're also going to have to learn how to give in other areas. When you have children, do you sit with them and say, I'm very proud of you. This is great. How are you feeling? You know, it's not also about uh, throwing out kudos to your kids because you didn't get them as a kid. And then it's just above all else, like win, win, win and approve, approve, approve. And then you have these children that are super achievers because they think that's the only thing you're going <laughs> to love them for. No, sit with your kids and ask them, how are you feeling today? How's it going? Talk to me. That's what a good parent does. They are emotionally there for you. They are mature enough to know that even if you are having a crisis, they don't have to jump in and fix it every single time. You can ask the question. When my kids were in high school and they were having a hard time, I did this before I was even knowing that I was doing this well, but I would ask them, what do you need me to do? And they would say, nothing, mom, I'm going to handle this. And I said, okay, but just know that if you need me to step in, I am 100% in your corner. 
and I will help you and I will be there in a heartbeat. And they were like, okay. It gave them the confidence to know that they could handle something on their own. I didn't need to go into the school and go talk to the principal and this is so unfair and my baby and you should this and you should that. No, stop doing that. Please let your child figure it out with the the approval of saying like, I'm here. I will help you. I will jump in in two seconds. Like I will be there in a flash. I'm not going to let this, if you can't fix this, I will jump in and help even if you don't want me to, because you got to keep an eye on that. I'm telling you this because it's happened to both my girls. There have been instances, even with teachers, where they were not so nice to my kids. And you know what? Life is unfair, and that does happen. So you cannot keep going in and saving them. A mature parent will say, what do you need from me? Now, this is when your kids are teens. Of course, this changes. If they're little, you're going to step in and help them out. But again, you can ask them, what are you feeling? What do you, why, you know, how do you think this happened? What, what kind of things do you think you could do differently? Like just kind of expand their horizons of thinking on their own. This is something a mature parent will do to help their child grow into a mature adult. So I hope this helped you. It was a little convoluted. I know it's has, there's a lot of layers to this, but thinking about growing up with an emotionally immature parent, it kind of gives you an insight into maybe why you react to certain things you do or not react to certain things in your life. So just some things to think about. Again, if you guys have any questions or any comments, leave those below in the podcast notes. And then also, um, not in the notes, my daughter always gives me a bad time because I never can get the verbiage right on any of this technical stuff. So leave a comment wherever you're supposed to. Please rate the show, invite people in. We would love to have this grow and grow. We are already at, I think, over 800 um, listeners, which is great. We would love to build that up even more. And um, we have an unmothered podcast on Instagram, so you can leave little messages on there. And yeah, until next time, I will see you later, peeps. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you want to get connected with other women who share your unmothered heart, head on over to my private unmothered Facebook community group. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review for this podcast to help me share this message with other listeners. All the links mentioned in today's episode will be in the show notes below. Bye, peeps.